Hey listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Patrick Medford Library's Adventures in Parenting Podcast. I'm Jesse, And I'm Erin. We're librarians. We're busy moms. And we love podcasts. We are so lucky to be joined today by our very good friend and colleague, children's librarian and digital literacy specialist, Miss Elaine Perez. Elaine studied media literacy at the Erickson Institute in Chicago, and she's going to help us help you understand media literacy and navigate screen time and overall online well-being. So welcome, Elaine. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm so honored to be here and to discussing a subject that's very close to my heart. We're hoping that today's topic comes right on time for all of those new devices hitting your households this holiday season. So, Elaine, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you learned during your time with the Erickson Institute? Well, we covered several topics. Rethinking screen use in early childhood, reflective media literacy practice, and implementing media literacy education. We had an opportunity to discuss how different demographics across the United States are teaching media literacy for school-age children and parents. And we also learned about the numerous computer programs and websites and enhanced book formats. What is media literacy and what makes media good or bad and why does this matter? It matters to all of us on a daily basis on, our, on the way we navigate our world. Media literacy really refers to the ability to access, analyze, evaluate, and create media in various forms. So that, in essence, you have to learn how to understand the messages that you get through different media channels and it gives us a, an opportunity to question what we do hear and see and how to identify any potential biases and learn what's the difference between credible and unreliable sources. It's also important because we do live in a democracy and we have to learn to make good decisions. Our children are going to be the future leaders so we need to take a look at that now. They have to get used to looking at all points of view and making a decision on what they see and what they hear. That's such a good point if you start working on media literacy with your children when they're young and you're talking about things that they enjoy and helping them analyze those things, then it will just be easier as they get older and they start engaging with more complicated subject matters and they're looking at more sources, then they will understand the concept of just because it's there doesn't mean it's true. So this is kind of a good gateway into being a better informed citizen. Well, it has a big social aspect too, not just critically evaluating fake news stories mm-hmm. or misleading narratives, but think of it in terms of cyberbullying. Somebody starts sending something around on social media about one of your classmates, maybe do a little investigation to see, is this true? Is this even, why is this going around about this person? Mm -hmm. It's part of media literacy and your responsibility to use it Mm -hmm. ethically, right? Yeah. A good point, too, is when you get the news, people have a tendency to react to it immediately, and you can't do that. You Mm -hmm. have to stop and take a look. Where is this coming from? Why is this being transmitted? And what should I do about it? And that's actually a good point for children to go to their parents Mm -hmm. and go, look, this came up. Please help me. I don't know what to do. This could be overwhelming. And you kind of, child is going to be placed in a situation that they feel that they have to address immediately, but they don't. To take time and find someone to help you with it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that explanation of media literacy. I think it's, again, another phrase that we hear a lot here in the library, but maybe not so much in day-to-day life. But I do know for a fact that in day-to-day life, we're told a lot about screen time. So how does screen time relate to media literacy? Recent research suggests that it's the nature of the screen time rather than the length that matters. So instead of worrying about the device you limit, parents should think, is my child learning? Will high-tech activities engage my child in artistic expression and creative thinking? Will they be able to learn and develop skills that will help them advance their future career? So you, you should not be focusing on the time. It's the quality of what they're looking at, which is very important. What can parents do to help encourage and model 
uh, media literacy with their children. Um, we can do a couple of things. We can find out why they want to learn a particular app, um, what's the purpose behind that, and uh, what most important is for you to do it first. Go through the, the app, take a look at it. Do you want your child to use this app or not? Do you find that it's something that's educational? Or maybe not always educational, maybe they just need to be entertained. They had a rough day at school and they just need to calm down. So it's just a matter of playing the game and then they'll play that for a short time and they'll navigate themselves to another website. We do have to let our children play. It always cannot be about school because they have to find a way to release some of the emotions and the tensions they're going through, not just with their lives, but the world around them because the world is now at your fingertips. You know what's going on at all times around the world now. It's just amazing how small the world has become. It's really so important and I think sometimes we feel like there's not enough time. I don't have enough time to do that and I know I've felt that way too but I will say that just taking that extra two minutes to look at the game that my kid wants to download. Sometimes it says it's free but it isn't free so even on like that very basic level just being involved in the decision making process and then communicating with your child why it's a yes or why it's a no and looking at like the ads on YouTube. Sometimes my kids will download free games and then the ads are so inappropriate and I'll use that as a reason to explain why maybe this game isn't appropriate. If these ads are targeted towards adults, then why are you playing the game? Like this game might be for adults, but if I wasn't paying attention, I never would know that, you know, and then they would never understand what they're seeing. But you know, what's also good about that is that if you give your child a chance to evaluate, not for the parents to do all the evaluation, but mm -hmm. for the child to say, well, you know, mom, I don't think this is right. I don't agree with you. You can get a discussion on that and that'll help out with all aspects of life, yes. but they need to feel like they're playing a role in the decision making that it's not someone is dictating to them. What That's exactly right. Have. I've had my daughter bail out of games because she didn't like the way other users mm -hmm. were playing the game and it was kind of ruining her experience. Either they were doing things that were inappropriate or like things were coming up in the chat that she wasn't comfortable with and she removed herself from that situation and mm -hmm. I was pretty impressed. I was like, hmm, well, yeah. good job. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for monitoring yourself. Right. <laughs> um, that's a good moment as a parent. They don't want to be around this, mm -hmm. so they'll be more cautious next time when choosing another game or another app or whatever it is. And I'm sure, in part, she's made those decisions because you've had conversations with her, and she understands when something is inappropriate, but if we're not having these conversations, children might not even recognize that this is a situation that they should not be in. So how can we teach media literacy? Any of the social medias, you have to take a look at it and to see where is this information coming from, and is it valid? Should I pay attention to it or not? If you have second thoughts like this may not be correct or it can be true, seek the help of an adult, or even an older sibling can help you out too with this. It's not just always an adult. That could be one way. Don't react instantly to the headline. Do not forward, share, or retweet something until you've read all the information on it. Again, looking at the source. The information is coming from a classmate who's giving you trouble. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take that information and use it? Or like, right. oh, please stop and take a look. Well, I know what that person's done. I'm not going to do that. Also, news media, is, we talked about this, is very important in democracy. Our children are going to be future leaders. And some of them are actually leaders now in their schools. Mm -hmm. and in the communities and we need to do the best we can demonstrating what the world should be to make a better place for all of us to live in. It's an easy acronym to remember if you want so we
we want to stop is what the acronym is and it's s you want to specify like what are they using these things for you know t is it a trusted source o observe and test it yourself and then p play and explore so let them play but kind of you know keep an eye and see how they're engaging with the media so that's everything we can do just on a day-to-day starting right now so what are some places and resources that parents can check out if they want to dive a little bit deeper or they want to do some research on that new video game that their child wants to play and they want to make sure it's a developmentally appropriate where where are some of those resources one of the ones we've been using um, a lot is called common sense media it's a fantastic website i'm obsessed with them uh, <laughs> leading nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of all kids and families providing trustworthy information this is an amazing website it actually had ratings for all the movies videos the amount of information there and it's also provided by ages grades per school mm-hmm. it covers I mean, you could just get lost on this website. You really can. I and love how they have the different ratings, like what yeah. kids that's say That's what I was going to say. Yeah, versus that's my what favorite. adults say it is, and then you kind of figure out somewhere in the middle. That's exactly right. That. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. We've uh, raved about it before. Yes. We definitely use it a lot. I know. That'll be my next career is working for them. Um, <laughs> I really especially like the kids' reviews because the kids always say that whatever the media is is more appropriate for younger kids than mm-hmm. the parents say, always. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. You're right. You can find, like, your own medium. They also have um, a really great section about media literacy and creating, yeah. like, a mini media literacy plan with your family, which is super helpful if you're starting from scratch with this stuff, which the majority of us are. And they also <sighs> have a lot of videos that you can watch as a family. And it's actually the, catered to the younger child. They have these figures, and they tell you what they mean and what they represent and it's very colorful and animated and the kids just gravitate I was like mesmerized mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I kept saying, oh, let's see this again you know drove everybody in the office crazy because kept playing it over and over <laughs> it is, it's particularly helpful now because I'm noticing more and more movies have the NR not rated, not rated yeah. category so you really don't even know what you're getting into you're mm-hmm. kind of assuming maybe by the genre that maybe it's going to include some of this and some of that we got so used to that rating system for mm-hmm. a while where you kind of knew what to expect Yes. The PG and PG-13 of like the 80s is not like the PG and PG-13 now. Yes. PG-13 movies, I believe, are able to show deaths, violent deaths, but as long as there's no blood. So you could be watching like these superhero movies and people are just dying (laughs) by the (laughs) thousands. They're just being murdered, but there's no blood. So it's PG-13. But you wouldn't know that by that rating. You would think, oh, it's PG-13. How bad could it be? But Common Sense Media will really break it down in their categories for review. They'll tell you exactly like when something's says like crude humor yes exactly what the words are what exactly. they mean they yeah. also are really good about you know they review it for things like positive representations and i think like diversity like they yeah. have categories for the stuff that maybe you're actively seeking out it's great i can't say enough good things about that website doesn't google have one now as well so they call google safety for children and families website i discovered this one actually i was really impressed with it they put a lot of work into it how to navigate technology fam- uh, building family friendly experiences creating safer parental controls, different videos to see with your family. This is definitely a website to take a look at. There's so much information out there. We're going to, as always, we'll have a resource guide that will list some, but I 
know that the American Pediatric Association also has on their website a family media plan that you could do together. There is another organization called NAMLE, N-A-M-L-E, and they have a parent's guide to media literacy. So this information is out there. We're here to help you find it. Don't be fooled by the fact that they know what they're doing on these devices so quickly. They really don't. (laughs) Um, They might be able to navigate a device, but they still need your help. So because they can figure the game out really quickly doesn't really mean that they are seeing the full picture. So this is why media literacy is really so important. We tend to just think that they know what they're doing because they've grown up with it and they truly don't. It's like putting it in the context of reading. Just because your kids can read the words doesn't mean they can emotionally understand what everything's about. So Exactly. Was there one thing from your time with Erickson that you were like, this is a huge takeaway for me? What I thought was fascinating because, um, you know, here we are on Long Island, But it's interesting to see what the rest of the United States is doing with this information, with this technology. And it varies from state to state depending on the demographics. But most of the libraries are doing a lot of things that we're doing, so that makes you feel good that you're headed the right way. It also brings up a lot of different things that maybe that we already have these things and we could be using them a different way. It was just wonderful to, to see how communicating not just with families and children but with peers, somebody who's working in the educational field. What are they doing? What are they discovering? And what do we need to work on? What mm-hmm. do we need to change to make life easier for all of us? And that it's an ongoing process. Um, it's not something you just, well, I'm done. No, it's, it's changing, you know. Yeah, it, it's hard too because, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's only one state in the country that has mandated digital literacy for school curriculums, digital media literacy. One state in the entire country. It's New Jersey. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, my goodness, <laughs> why aren't the schools helping? Some districts are. I know that I believe PatMed does touch on these topics and they do their own curriculum, but it's not mandated. So reach out to your legislators and let them know that this should be mandated. They should be learning this stuff in school, but that also does not negate the fact that as parents, we have to be involved. What's happening in school is important, and if they can take that and learn something from it and bring it to their families, the world will be a better place to live in. Yeah. Let's touch on a couple of questions. What does online well-being mean to each of you? Do you want to go first, Taryn? I guess online well-being would be not having that knot in my stomach or that anxiety about going online or feeling disappointed or disillusioned or inadequate when I get offline. Right. Or that sense of guilt, maybe, when you hand your child a device or you just kind of let them spend hours on a device. I agree completely. Um, I think it's about feeling comfortable and safe when I'm using my device and when I know my children are using theirs. I also think that online well-being means interacting with the technology. Like for me, the more I know about something, the better I feel about it. When there's new technology in my life or my children's life, and if I don't take the time to understand it, then I am way more anxious about it than I would be if I just kind of took the time to figure it out first. When you think about the concept of screen time, is your initial reaction positive or negative? Negative. Uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but negative. Always. I just feel like that's what everyone concentrates on is the fear right. of what is this doing to my child? And, you know, what are they doing? What am I not seeing? Right, yeah. It's confusing messaging because, you know, on the one hand, it's no screen time, no screen time, not too much screen time. But then on the other hand, our whole world is screen time. My life is screen time, and I 
I always have my phone and I'm on the computer all day. So then how do you tell them, well, no, it's not good for you? Right. What are some things that contribute to our fears, online anxiety, and negative perceptions of screen time and contribute to a lack of digital well-being? I mean, it's the usual things. You know, first of all, we are taught, you know, when your child is still in your womb, that screen time is terrible. So you're automatically starting there at that baseline that screen time is bad for them. But then the more you interact with the online world and the more your kids do, you also are exposed to all of the scams and the inappropriate content and the fake news. And, you know, so all of that stuff contributes to the anxiety and the fear that I have of just letting my kids loose into that world. I don't have a very positive feeling about screen time at all because of those things. I want to have a positive. Yeah, me too. But, you know, because I know that it, just being a librarian, you know that there's so many positive resources out there mm -hmm. that kids can access for education, for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like, we're aware of that, but I still feel so guilty. Like, sometimes I look like, wow, you've been on that for a while. Like, mm -hmm. what, what are you doing? Right. It's a little overwhelming. Yeah. It's, it's a lot overwhelming. A lot overwhelming, right? And then there's also the fear that your kid is going to live their entire life online and that they're missing out on the, the natural world, the physical world in their social world, you know? So it's, it's all of those things that make being a modern parent so fun. Is there a, such a thing as positive screen time? There is, and especially if you're working together as a family. If you're doing everything, there's some kind of closeness with you, with the children, and that could be difficult because there may be more than one child in the family and they may be on different devices. Well worth the time so you know exactly what your child is looking at, screaming, and just get a lot of communication what's going on. And they'll incorporate family life and school life and life in general. Yeah, just doing it together. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but we have banned YouTube in the house. I saw the influence it was having on my kids when it went, went unchecked. And now we just do it as a family. So we only watch YouTube when we watch it together. That's a good point, Miss Jesse, because I've done programs here in the library where I put the TV on and then I find out that the advertisement before or after YouTube can be really detrimental to our children. Mm -hmm. Even to ourselves. I'm, sometimes I'm shocked and I'm going, oh my goodness. So I have actually, when I do use YouTube now, I will definitely be um, fully monitor the, um, the sessions that you just never know what's going to pop up on those ads. Absolutely. True. Other than doing things together, because like you said, life is busy, right? So, and my kids are different ages. So my older one doesn't want to do the same things as my younger one. So what are, aside from doing everything together at all times, what are some other tips that we can offer parents to help decrease their fears about screen time, technology being isolating? Keep the lines of the communication open and talk about the dangers of misinformation, inappropriate content, and the isolation that can come with digital media. And it's important to discuss the levels of danger to children as they grow up. You don't want to give too much information to a younger child, just enough to answer their question, whereas with an older child, you have to go into more details. I read somewhere that it's really great to teach your kids to ask questions about what they're watching. So we're doing this in our house. I don't know if anybody listening, if their kids love Ryan, but the Ryan shows on YouTube basically started, they were toy advertisements. It was Ryan and his family playing with toys. And then, you know, your kid watches it and they want that toy. And so I would have conversations with my kids. Wow, you know, Ryan's really playing with that cool toy. Like, why do you think he wants us to see that? All those kinds of questions. And then eventually we got to the point where the kids understood that that's an ad. 
That's a commercial. He's getting paid for that. And, but it took us a while to get there, but it's just encouraging those questions and kind of showing them that that's not normal. I mean, not, not no, I guess it's the new normal, but just to have them question it makes it a little easier, I would assume, down the line when they start seeing more intense information. And Yeah, when it gets to the real complicated, this is affecting my self-esteem or this is disturbing to me or, you know, I really don't understand this. You've created this atmosphere where the kids feel comfortable enough to talk talk to you about what they're seeing, which is the goal. Yeah. It's also, I think it's important to encourage your children to avoid instantly reacting to a headline. There's a lot of people going around saying things and you don't know who they are. They have no background at all. Yeah, you're right. The instant reaction is problematic all around. And, And if you think about it in the context of your child, You don't want them to automatically assume that just because they saw it, it's correct. Because one day it could be about them. I I feel like even if people disagree with me, if I put something out there, but it's well-researched and I feel good about what I've shared, that increases my sense of online well-being. I think pointing out to children that if they're engaging with media, it shouldn't be making them have that uncomfortable feeling in their stomach. You know, it shouldn't be giving them anxiety. You know, those are not feelings that we want to, you know, encourage and So it's good for them to pay attention to that. I think even for adults, we should be paying attention to that. Yeah, we have to model that, though, because if I'm anxious about my technology and what's going on online, Mm -hmm. my daughter's going to see that. She's going to be wary of technology if she sees that it's giving me massive anxiety. Right. Or she might just think it's normal and normalize that, you know, and just think like, oh, yeah, this is how I'm supposed to feel when I come away from being online. Modeling good behavior, I think, is probably one of the best things we could do for, like, our online well-being. It's, you know, it's the airplane mask scenario. If you're taking care of yourself first, then you can take care of your kids. So if you're using technology in a way that is causing you to feel dysregulated or you're contributing to, you know, the spread of misinformation and how are you really going to be setting a good example for your kids? And I know that that's a lot easier said than done. I struggle with it too, but it's just, you know, you're trying your best to model that good tech behavior. If your kid isn't allowed to be on their device at dinner, you're not allowed to be on their your device at dinner. Like that's just how that has to go. It can't be. Absolutely. But I also wanted to touch on something like getting up in the morning and looking at your phone. The problem with that is you may check for the time and for the weather, but we need to put it down to the side make our children feel that they're the most important people in our lives and not what's on the smartphone or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. Because, again, there's role modeling there. And if they see that, they all realize, okay, when I'm not looking at mine either. My husband has one of those jobs that doesn't end when he comes home. Mm-hmm. So, like, the That's phone right. is always ringing. Yeah. But it's so hard to not take those phone calls. Sure. Because it's mm-hmm. work, and I'm like, they can wait, like, 15 minutes. Yeah, gotta wait because yep. then when her friends call or FaceTime or whatever, she's like, "Well, how come he can take phone calls but I can't?" Right, mm-hmm. right. You know? And you're yes. trying to be like, "Well, it's because it's work." Right. Mm-hmm. Still. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I know. Yeah, Their world difficult. is just as important to them as our world is to mm-hmm. us, so they don't really see the difference between your work and their mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. They're just equally important to them, so that makes it really hard. Um, so I guess that's where that family plan that you love so much, I know, would come in. So that love- would be a great resource for this as well. Yes, is that common sense media? You know it is. It's really helpful. We sat down together as a family and we agreed on what the expectations for technology was going to be. I actually just amended our tech contract the other day. For what? I made it so because we are very lax about the tablet used in the car. If we're going like 20 minutes or longer, we're like, fine, bring your tablet. But then I was like, what are we doing here? This is ridiculous. You can suck it up.
up for 20 minutes. So now we made it, if we're in the car for an hour or longer, you can have your tablet. But before that, you have to bring a book. You have to stare out the window and be bored like I did as a kid. So we, we amended it and made Is there nothing that they could do to, like, engage the whole car? Oh, yeah. We do that, That's too. The, okay. You know, I spy, all those kinds of things. But they when they use their tablets, it's their time. So, you know, they're watching their games or they're playing their games or watching their shows. So it's not really, like, a family oh, okay. thing. And I find that with my kids, when I'm trying to set a rule or, you know, my expectations, I really don't like saying because I said so, which contributes to my sense of well-being because I know that I am, I have done my, my background research and I know why I'm making the decisions that I am making. And I think that that encourages them to be aware of the decisions that they're making. And, you know, we can do things together collectively. And I guess the thing, too, is that, and this is just a reminder to us as parents, like your kids, if you're doing things right, then they should feel comfortable to come to you with questions. And it sometimes can be really hard to answer them <laughs> and, you know, want to keep that line of communication open because things can be awkward or confusing to explain. But I think as long as we try our best to keep that line of communication open, and even if they come to you with some really inappropriate thing that they saw, like just try and have them feel heard and that you understand and you're going to try and help them. And that way they'll keep coming to you in the future. Part of that is, oh, sorry, is staying informed so that you know where to go for help if your child does need help with something. Like if it's not something that you can handle Mm -hmm. in home, come to the library. We have the resources. We have the experts. We we can point you in the right direction Mm -hmm. to get help. Definitely. And I think it's important that we may not always have all the answers that our children may be asking of us. And it's okay for us to say to them, I will look into that, I'll get an answer for you. So I think it's important, yes, use the library, use um, other parents, um, talk about the experience. So show our child that we're looking to get the answers for you. I don't know the answer right now, but I will seek it. I love that. I stress that with my daughter all the time. Just because we're adults does not mean that we have all the answers. You can't just take it that that's the absolute truth unless they're backing it up with something. That's right. So always go that step further and say, but how do you know that? Is it a feeling or do you actually, (laughs) like, where are you getting this information from? Right. Just question everything. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're right. I am constantly telling my kids I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But it's good, though. (laughs) I think think that alleviates some pressure on them. On them and on you. You don't need to have the answers, Mm -hmm. but you need to be committed to helping them figure it out. Find it out, right. And just make sure that you give your child the time and space to think about what's being discussed and allow them to talk without judgment or, Mm -hmm. or blame or interruption to just kind of get their feelings out and pick an environment where they feel comfortable and a moment where they feel relaxed to make it easier for them, you know, to, to talk openly and to listen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that is great. And then letting them guide you. If they're talking to you about something that I don't, you know, you don't understand or that concerns you, ask them to show you or give you more details and listen carefully to them. I think sometimes my daughter will come to me with things and, like, immediately I'll want to, like, give an explanation. But you have to just step back and just listen and just yes. let them kind of get it all out and then just choose your words carefully and just think. Digest it. Yeah, I'm very bad at that. I am an instant reactor. I'm yeah. always like, no. I'm like, well, hold on. Let me let me think about it. But you're right. It's a good yeah. point. And asking open-ended questions. Yes. 
that I'm also bad at. Yeah, I th- me too. That's definitely one that I get. Good I thing saw. we're podcast hosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was another thing in the research for this episode that kept coming up as as a way to kind of initiate these conversations with your kid is asking, well, you know, like, what do you enjoy about that? Or how does mm-hmm. this activity make you feel? You know, to make sure that your kids feel comfortable talking to you and sharing their true feelings, not just giving you what you want to hear. Right, yeah. I think you're right, too. And, like, like my kids are young, on the young side, so I don't have teenagers yet. But they're seeing so many things for the first time mm-hmm. that they, it could, they could very easily just accept them as this is how things mm-hmm. are. And so I think what you're saying is true is, like, you have to let them experience it and then kind of process it on their own, and then you talk through it. And then, you know, like, how did that make you feel? Or why do you think that is? You know, um, I just had a whole conversation with my daughter the other day about how come girls have to wear shorts and boys don't. And it was just, like, something that just occurred to her. And I was like, oh, let's talk about it. And, like, so, you know, they're seeing these things, and you want them to question it a little bit. It's what you make of it, like everything else. It's the same thing with food. You can fill your body with junk food, or you could fill your body with nutritious food. And most often than not, you're just trying to find that balance. So I feel like that's the same thing with screen time. Yeah, I question a lot of those statistics sometimes. Because if you think, like, well, what... If you say a kid's got, you know, three hours of screen time, how do you know it's not like an hour FaceTiming with grandparents? Right. And That's then right. like, you know, a half an hour doing a math game mm-hmm. or do they break it down? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't often see that in most studies. They no. usually just give you like a flat statistic, like anything over an hour is bad or anything, you know. Right. Um, but it's you, you have they have to quantify it in a, a different way. Yeah, I, I agree. It's also it's not very realistic. Misleading. Yeah. Like, with my oldest one, we she didn't watch a screen for the first year of her life. We were no TV, nothing. And then the second one comes along, and the older one's already watching screens. So <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, the kid's going to walk around with blinders? Like, we gotta, we have to figure it out. And I think Miss Elaine gave us a lot of good tips today on how to just stay on top of these things and communicate. I think it really always just boils down to communication. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just thinking about how you react to screen time and how you react to navigating the online world and then... And trying to process that in a way that can help your child navigate it. So like we were saying before, if it makes you uneasy to see certain things, it's probably making your kid uneasy to see those things. So communicate about that. Talk about that, you know, and then don't just immediately ban it. Talk about it because you're going to be giving them the skills to, to help them do this when you're not around. Yeah. The time spent with a screen is far less important than what's happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of also, put it in that way, it kind of reduces that guilt a little bit of That's when right. you're out to eat and want to hand, hand a kid a device because <laughs> yeah. it's taking like two hours to get your meal and they're bored right. to tears. They've done their best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get <laughs> through. Tried. Yeah. yeah. You know. And also, um, if you're listening and you don't, Give your kids devices. Good for you. More power to you. Yeah. Please like don't, it, don't judge parents that do. Household. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, can't tell you how many times I've been out to dinner and people have been giving us, like, the stink eye. It's like, well, they, my kid could be screaming right now, so I'm doing you a favor. Did you feel that way before you had kids? Because I remember going into restaurants, like, before I had kids and being like, wow, like, that kid is so little and yeah. they've been on that device the entire dinner and... It never even occurred to me what that kid would be like without, without the device. It, right. yeah. I just felt bad, like, oh, they're not even, like, interacting with the kid. Yeah. So I tried initially, like, when my daughter was really little, we would have all these, like, you know, suction cup toys yes. and things, like, yeah. sticking things to the table. That's and, right. like, I had this big tote bag of, like, activities <laughs> and every possibility. And it, it literally just got so overwhelming. I'm like, I can't be carrying this huge bag. Like, mm-hmm. you want to do this for five minutes? You That's right. Yeah, it's minutes? a minute like, here, a minute it there. Was, yeah, mm-hmm. so eventually the, the tote bag went away. 
Yeah. And the tablet came out because <laughs> I just, I was at my wit's end. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think most people are that way. Yeah. You know? you, but it you is try. hard not to feel like you've got eyes on you and you're being judged all the time. Well, because you are. Parents have got to be kinder to other parents. That's 100% right. That would increase my life well-being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are there any words of wisdom you'd like to leave us with today, Miss Elaine? I know. I think we covered a lot of information, uh, and I hope everybody takes the time to listen to and check out these two websites that we talk about, Common Sense and Google Safety. There's a lot of information. Please and do not hesitate to come to the library and talk to our librarians and share your thoughts with other parents. We would love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. And if you liked our podcast today, please let your friends and family know. And us. Yes, please. <laughs> we want, would love to hear from you with your thoughts on upcoming topics or just general feedback. How are we doing? You can email us at podcast at pmlib.org. And also, just so you know, if you're listening to this through the website, you can also now get our podcast. Most places podcasts are listened to. Yeah, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yeah. Google Podcasts, all the all the places. We're everywhere. So you can subscribe and rate us and like us and all the things that the professional podcasters say. <laughs> um, and we will have a resource guide for today's episode, um, along with all the previous episodes, if you'd like to dig a little deeper into any of these topics. Um, and again, thank you so much, Elaine. Thank this you. This is like a massive yes. topic. We could go on. Holy moly! Forever oh, yes. about it. But, I know. But this was a nice. Mm -hmm. to increase your online well-being. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.